Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you right now with bowed heads and humble hearts, dear Lord. And Father, I want to thank you for this opportunity, dear Heavenly Father. I ask you to let me decrease so you may increase, dear Heavenly Father, so one may hear your word today, dear Heavenly Father, through my testimony, dear Lord. I thank you for this opportunity, dear Heavenly Father, and we pray these things in your Son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Beautiful crowd. I just want to take this opportunity. My name is Eric Arrington. I'm a uh, Possibilities member. I've been here, I've been a Possibilities member now for about eight or nine years. And um, I want to take this opportunity and tell you my testimony, how God has changed my life, and hopefully you can use it in your life, and it'll help you maybe understand that um, if you hear anything today from me, if you remember anything from me today, I want you to remember my motto. And my motto is, it's not what you're going through in life, it's how you go through it. If you can remember that every single day that you wake up and understand that you're blessed just to be able to open up your eyes and being able to understand that um, God given you another opportunity to help somebody else in your life. And, and my testimony is such, I'm um, pretty big, strong dude in stature. I'm 6'3", I'm 240. And uh, back in the 80s, I had an opportunity to play professional football. Uh, I had a free agent tryout with the Raiders, 1987. Uh, didn't make the team, did extremely well, and um, they sent me to arena football. I don't know how many of you guys are familiar with that, but it's an indoor sports. It's a step down from NFL, but it's professional football also. Uh, did real well in that, and um, the Raiders called me back up, gave me another opportunity to uh, try out again. And so uh, first thing I did is I got on the phone and called my buddies up and said, hey, man, I'm going to make it this time. I understand what I need to do. I know what I need to uh, prepare myself to make it in professional football. And that's my plan. And we, we might have plans in life, but God might have another plan for you. And we have to remember that. Well, going through my second opportunity to play for the Raiders, I decided when I got that phone call, I was going to go out and celebrate. I knew I was going to make the team. I knew what I had to do to make the team. So I made some phone calls, and we went out, and we went out to a nightclub. And um, long story short, after leaving the nightclub, a friend of mine was riding with me, and he was, I told him I'll meet him at the car. And I, have a, I had a girlfriend in who's now my wife, who I thank God for. She was a friend of mine. I always walked her to the car. And then after walking her to the car, I was going to meet my buddy at the car. I did so. Walked her to the car, and on my way to the car, um, my friend was in an altercation, and I saw the altercation. I immediately went to his rescue. He was surrounded by six guys. I, uh, I saw an incident going, so my, my automatic reaction, I went over and jumped in between and said, hey, man, what's going on? Are you okay here? And uh, one of the guys said no. Told his friend, he said, hey, hand me a gun. I'm supposed to kill this guy. And he was speaking to my friend. So when he pointed the gun at my friend, I automatically picked my friend up as strong as I was, turned my back to the gun, tossed my friend out the way, and I ended up getting shot in the back six times. Point blank range with a nine millimeter. Uh, three went through me and three stayed in me. And I was like, wow, okay, I'm, I'm laying there. And here's the good part. Simultaneously, you might be having some tough times in life but at the same time, God is good. 
all the time. And simultaneously, why I might have been thinking I was going through something tough. I was laying there on my stomach, and I said, okay, this guy must have shot me. I was talking just like I'm talking now. I was concerned just like I am right now, and I was feeling good. I just knew I had failed, so I said, okay, this guy must have shot me here. So I went to the direction I thought I should have, and I asked my father. I said, hey, okay, God, what do you want me to do? He told me to turn over. He said, do a push-up and turn over on your back and relax. He says, I got you. Don't worry about nothing. And my mind relaxed right then because I knew God. I know God will never leave you. I know he'll never forsake you. So I was okay. Uh, paramedics came, and they put up yellow tape. They figured, oh, from what I'm seeing here, this guy's not going to make it. I said, oh, yes, I am, buddy. You want to scoop me up, get me in the paramedics, and let's get to the hospital because I'm going to be okay. Never fell asleep, none of the above. I think the paramedics was a little amazed at my attitude and the, the demeanor that I had, you know. And so I want to go back to that because right then, my life changed. And I had to understand my motto right then. Okay, how are you going to handle this? What's going to be your attitude? Well, how, how do you feel now that you are now paralyzed and you're in a wheelchair and you're not able to play professional football? And I took it and I said, you know what? Uh, we went to court. They cart one of the guys. They cart the guy that uh, handed the shooter the gun. And when I looked across the courtroom, this kid was 14 years old. I was like, wow. My mind went right to young men in the community. Need my help. So I went right into coaching football. I coached over at San Bernardino Valley College. Won five championships over there. Ended up getting a job at the University of Redlands. Had an opportunity to coach over there. And I coach down in the community at the local high schools and try to do some mentoring and some understanding about what life is all about. And so I decided I wanted to give back, and that's what I've been doing. Um, God came into my life in a special way. He was in my life before I got shot, and I understood that. And I thank God that I knew him. And um, having that opportunity, um, possibilities came into my life over at East Campus. Um, great people over there, they understand what physical challenge is all about. And sometimes people say, you know, you have to be in a wheelchair to understand it, but some of the people with possibilities are not in a wheelchair, but they understand what we need to go through. So I do some volunteering over there. I help out a lot as much as I could with peer support. And I think that's what all, life is really all about, giving back, understanding um, what you're here on this earth for. And, and God is going to direct you in what your plan is for him because he gave his only begotten son for us so that we may have the opportunity to life. So I enjoy what I do over at Possibilities. I enjoy that God blessed me with a beautiful wife who's been by my side for last Thursday, made 25 years, which is fantastic. She hasn't missed a beat. I thank God for her because uh, when I got out of rehab, I got home and I grabbed a remote. And I started watching ESPN, and she looked at me and said, uh-uh, buddy, you're going to get out of here. You're going to get you a job. We got some bills to pay. <laughs> so, <laughs> she says, you still got your mind? And that's what it's all about. So you got to get up, and you got to do something with yourself. And, and I just want to say to you, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you feel, it's how you go through it, you know. And, and, and lastly, you know, I, a lot of people say, okay, Erica, how does it feel that you can't stand up and 
You know, how do you explain football and how do you, you know, get to these kids to give them an opportunity to illustrate to them? Well, um, there's a company called uh, Premobile. They've given me an opportunity now and, you know, you never, think, you never think about it, but I'll put it to you like this. They say I wouldn't stand up again. That's what they say. That's what they say. But I know a God that's out of this world. And with some of, the, some of the technology out there, you know, this helps me out a lot to be able just to stand up. And you guys will see how tall I am, you know, and I, I probably intimidated that guy when they saw me and said, wow, it's <laughs> a pretty big dude. We're going to have to get out of this situation. So I thank God for pre-mobile, pre, pre giving me this opportunity to stand up also. And I just thank God for you guys. And you guys keep me in your prayers. And remember, no matter what you go through in life, it's how you go through it. God bless you all. I've known him, but I didn't know that story, and it, it just it just blows my mind how each day, uh, not every day, but a lot of them, you just you just get blindsided by some story or some some perseverance that just kind of makes you feel a little bit embarrassed about perhaps your attitude for the past week or that morning. And uh, uh, thank you for that story, Eric. That's amazing. Um, my story, I'll just get right into it. I was born in San Diego. Um, my father was Terry Martin, probably one of the most famous uh, surfboard shapers in the world. And uh, when I was probably about seven years old, my, my mom and dad, they were married really young and they separated. So after a couple of years' time, I ended up uh, staying with my, my real mom, who had remarried to a fellow named Gary Bailey. And he was a motocross racer. I'm sure you've probably seen some of that on TV. Uh, not the X Games crazy stuff, but this, where they race on a track in stadiums and out in the country. And so I was uh, pretty good on my bicycle. I grew up with um, all the surf guys and, and the dads. Bruce Brown that, that did um, On Any Sunday and his son Dana, we used to ride bicycles together. Um, so I was removed from the surf industry and, and from my real father uh, just because I was young and not really calling the shots. And I moved from my home in Dana Point to a, a Winnebago pulling a trailer. The Winnebago was our house and the trailer was the garage with all the motorcycles and my dad was my stepdad, rather, would uh, travel the country, mostly in the East Coast, and uh, show up at a place, set up the tent. I'd help do all that stuff, teach a school with 50 or 60 students, and then do the race that weekend, and maybe stay there for a little while, and then move on to the next town. So for probably about uh, 1970 to 75, I didn't have a house. I'd, my bedroom was the bunk that pulls down over the driver and passenger seats in the Winnebago. So. Um, it was tight quarters and, and a real uh, wild education because uh, I couldn't do school. I, I tried to do that and it, it didn't give credits and we had some mistakes uh, in looking for the proper school. So I had a really different upbringing and um, 
I started to show some promise when I was about 14 or 15 years old and started winning races. And I was always racing in a, in a different place. I'd be in Kentucky one week, Florida the next, Michigan, uh, like that. And, and when I was 15, I got to go to Lima, Peru. And, and my dad taught a school down there and couldn't speak English. That was fun. A lot of hand signals. And we, uh, we met the vice president of Braniff Airlines. And he flew us down there three more times. And uh, I got to go see the Inca ruins in Machu Picchu. Um, I got to hold at the Houston Space Center the, the model for Skylab that Russia sent us so we could build the link to hook that up in space. I mean, it was a, looking back, I mean, I just, there's a long list of really neat stuff that I got to do. And as I was getting better at racing motorcycles, by the time I was 17, I turned professional. And I really knew nothing else. I mean, I had no real friends. We were always on the road. Um, I eventually did go to a, a private school called the Calvert. It's the one that the Osmonds did out of Maryland. And, and uh, when we finally settled down in Virginia in around 75, 1975, I, I went to a private school there. And uh, church wasn't part of our life. I mean, I, I raced on Sunday. My stepdad wasn't a believer. And, and my mom, it's never really talked about. Prayer for me was... I mean, I, on Thanksgiving, I was just praying that I wasn't the one that was going to have to say grace. So <laughs> and it, it just wasn't uh, something I gave that much thought. And since everything was going good for me in my career, it was starting to shape up. Um, and I was making progress and seeing the world, and everything was fine. It was always recess for me. Um, I just figured, well, hey, if it's not broken, there's nothing to fix. So I, I didn't... I didn't have a Bible. I didn't think much about church. Uh, I didn't disagree with it, but uh, I, like I said, I, I had things to do, and things were going well for me. By the time I was uh, 19, 20 years old, right in there, I signed with Factory Honda, which was the best team to be with. Um, I won my first professional race at Anaheim Stadium, a uh, sellout crowd, and, and I, that year in 1983, I won everything. I won every title there was to, to be had, and, and that year was the first time they had this triple crown, and, and uh, I won that as well. So uh, all my childhood dreams were realized, and I remember being up on the stage like this, a big banquet, getting all these awards, and it didn't feel like I thought it was going to feel when I was a kid. You know, I, I, I strive for this. I finally got there, and then I had all these awards and speeches to make, and it just something was missing, kind of. Now, I didn't know. I just figured, well, okay, well, that's the pressure. You know, now the, some of the fun's gone, and it's, it's, it's a job, and I have to win next year, too. And uh, a lot more responsibility comes with, with these number one plates. And, and I continued on. I, I kept winning. I won the next year, and the year after that, I got to go to Japan and develop bikes. Uh, I was making probably close to a million dollars a year for several years. If I wanted to put in a swimming pool, I would just call somebody and do it that day. I mean, it was, it was an amazing freedom that I had. Um, I never took it for granted. I didn't have a lot of toys. I, I was appreciative. Like I said, I didn't, I didn't have church and a Bible handy and, and pay that much attention to it, but I did have some kind of a innate understanding that, that something was bigger. So by 1986, I had won everything. I was on top of the world, um, poised to win more. Uh, in the middle of negotiating a contract for two years in the U.S., one year in Europe to ride the world championship, maybe live in Italy, uh, buy a new house. I mean, couldn't have been going much better. Uh, I met my wife um, 
at uh, an event in 1984, and, and so we dated and traveled around the world for, from 84 or, uh, through 86. Um, and pretty much the pinnacle of my career was in Italy. There was a big world championship race, and I was the leader of Team USA. It was my fifth year in a row. And we won it. I, I won personally the whole event, came home, got married in Vermont at a castle, um, took our honeymoon to Hawaii, and I saw this event called the Ironman, a tr big triathlon, and I thought, yeah, as soon as I get done racing and have the time, I want to do this. And my wife's like, oh, here we go, you know. But hey, why? Okay, you know. And so um, three months later, after we were married in September of 86, I went to a little warm-up race to prepare for that Anaheim Stadium event that I had won before. And I was the defending champion of it in 1986. So to start the 1987 season, um, I got greedy. I didn't want to do pretty good. I didn't want to be you know, in the top three or be consistent and win in the end. I had already done that. I wanted to win everything. So I knew that was going to take a pace that was a little scarier. And um, my teammates and friends and my dad had cautioned me, I don't think you can ride like that all the time. You know, that's, that's flirting with the potential disaster. And um, I didn't really have any basis on anything. I just decided I want to win everything. You know, there was something missing. I wanted more. I figured maybe I got to reach a little deeper and, and put out more effort and win everything. And uh, I went to a, a preseason race. It was probably only the second lap of practice, and I, I didn't know the track that well. It was real crowded, and I just was in a rush and wanted to make a statement and show everybody, hey, I'm here, and I'm going to be the guy to, be con you know, to contend with, and you got to have to come through me to win, and good luck with that. I was prepared. I was fit. Uh, I was strong-minded, and I was impatient. I went for this jump, came up a little bit short, just kind of landed on the top of the second one, and it, it threw me like this, and I just remember seeing another jump coming, and I was going face first to it, and the bike behind me, and, you know, this is going to be bad, but I've done it before, and tumble, and you get up, the bars are bent, and you're okay. I'd had some injuries, but nothing serious, no surgeries, no knee problems, or anything like that, so uh, the impact knocked me out. I came to, uh, I don't know, 30 seconds, or a minute or something later, and there's a lot of people who gathered around, and... Um, I knew something was wrong. Paramedic, would, a lot of people were bugging me, you know, do this, take your helmet off, sit up, lay down, whatever. And I, I just sort of got impatient at that point in time. I was like, could everybody just, you know, let me just soak this up for a second and just hold still. And the paramedic said, no one's touching you. And it was like, I can't move. I can't feel. So, man, just right there. I could see my wife, you know, the crowd kind of parted, and I could see her, you know, just looking in, and I just looked at her like, this is just different, it's bad. And so uh, the next, you know, the rest of the day was awful, uh, especially for her calling my parents, you know, the whole thing. And then, then for the next couple of years, I had uh, dropped out of school, traveled the country, been all over the place, was on top of the world, making all kinds of money, all kinds of freedom teaching, actually, like my dad did, and, and I always felt like I was trying to be a good person and give back and, and share. Uh, I made a lot of money, and I didn't have a lot because I was giving it to my friends, and my dad needed a car and some video equipment, and my friend needed this, and uh, buying soccer fields for the team in town. I, I felt like I was doing things right, but it wasn't really substantiated by anything. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just fumbling through life like we all do, and... Um, 
my real dad, Terry Martin, gave me a Bible when I got hurt. It's just a simple one. It's just a green book. It just says the book on it. And I didn't know what to do with it. I, 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 you know, you go to page one and in the beginning. And, I, you know, I just felt like I need somebody to help me with this. And when I asked questions about it, I didn't really have that answer like, oh, okay, I get it. It was sort of like, man, I, I, I don't disagree with it. I just don't understand it. So uh, naturally, the more time that went by, years, because my dad gave me this book in 1987, uh, the Bible, um, <laughs> as, as years went by, I was embarrassed to say, hey, I haven't really read this yet, so where should I start? Well, how do I approach this and, and actually digest it and get it? And uh, so it wasn't, wasn't until 2006 <clears throat> I had a pressure sore. I was face down, and, and um, eventually that I made it to here, and they, they saved me. Um, but while I was face down, I was in a, in a hospital bed, laying on my side. I just had some surgery. I had this pick line, all this stuff, and I'm just thinking, i got to be here on my side for nine more days. I don't know if I can do it for nine more minutes. <clears throat> but I, I've done things before, so I'm hanging in there, and I just thought, you know, it's time to call my dad, Terry, and ask him about this book. And he said, you know, I never got the answer I was looking for either when I was curious in the beginning. It was around 1974 that he finally just, just accepted Jesus and went, this is how I'm going to live my life. I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to do what he says and let the chips fall where they may. Uh, I can't explain how to go outside and warm it up a tad. Um, I can't make my own water. I can't explain how we can just fly around the sun right now at 67,000 miles an hour, and we're just hanging out here. I don't know that, so it's pretty arrogant to think that I can control everything. And everything that I knew, which was quite a bit, and I was very successful, had landed me on my side, you know, going, and still after this, I don't know what's going to happen. I need more surgery, and then what? I'm running out of money, and I'm in Santa Ana, and my wife's in Temecula, and daughter's biggest thing ever is cheer, and my wife has to be there for that, and it was just uh, completely different from what I had experienced up to that point. Everything was going great. Everything that I wrote down and had as a goal I could achieve and had achieved and, and repetition, and then uh, I was stopped in my tracks and realized I, I don't really have that much power here. I don't have that much control. I'm at somebody else's mercy. Whoever's driving this ship around the sun, I, I, let me get to know him and, and see. And it, it wasn't like a, well, I don't have any other answers, so let me just resort to that. It wasn't that, it was a, it was a thirst. And um, so I talked to my dad, and he said, you know, I just started reading in Matthew. No one could really give me an answer that I was happy with, so I just started reading. And I didn't care if I understood what I read. You know, I don't know if you're a little, many, a lot like me, where I'll read a page and then be like, shoot, my mind was somewhere else. What the heck? You know, and in the Bible, you really have to, one, one line. You can chew on that for your life. So it's, it's real rich, and I, I, just, I just decided to do what he did and just started reading Matthew. Well, I got about six, seven chapters in, where there's a lot of red, and <laughs> was like, why didn't I read this before? Why did I wait this long? That embarrassed thing, you know, and, and uh, why doesn't everyone read this? It just makes sense. 
you know, I tried to read in the beginning. I tried to read, well, okay, I'm going through some stuff, and people are suggesting, well, maybe you should read Job, and I tried to read that. I didn't get it. As soon as I got into when Jesus was speaking, that's when it hit me, and I realized, okay, well, from now on, then I wake up in the morning, and I ask for directions and for, you know, to be uh, astute enough and, and aware enough to, to realize this person that's, you know, put in my path today, it's messing up my plans for today, it, that's maybe more important. Maybe I need to investigate that. It's not about me anymore. I've already tried to take that into the end zone and got there a few times, but that was just a nice experience to get me to a certain point to where I'd have a platform like this to be able to speak to people and go, hey, there's something a little bit more than winning races. That was great. But, um, you know, that's all it was. I couldn't deposit a check. I didn't know anything else. So now that I'm uh, no longer ignorant, um, I realize that if you don't have Jesus in your life, that, that when something happens and you're really excited or a little bummed, perhaps, it's big news. And you can't, you, who's the first person you call? Your mom, your dad, your friend. I call Jesus. I call God. Thanks for this you know, a little blessing, thanks for, for this piece of good news, thank for that, you know, health to be restored for somebody I knew was struggling, thank you for my life, thank you for my wife, that's kind of a mantra I have, because uh, we were married for three months, and I got hurt, and that was it, and she decided that she was going to stay with me, so um, there's times where, I know my time's short here, but there's times where you just feel like, okay, um, this is more than I can handle. There's money, the health, this or that. You know, what you see here is the, the tip of the iceberg. There's a lot more stuff, I could tell you. But what gets me through it is understanding my position. My position is established in heaven. Uh, my condition, it's not always that great. And I'm sure it's the same for all of you. Keep in mind those two words. Our, our condition, eh, it fluctuates a bit, but... When you put your trust in the Lord, you let him run your life and you ask him for directions and keep, give him the glory and keep him in mind always at all times while you go about your business, that's when the magic shows up and that's when you really understand. So I thank you to Possibilities. That's a great name because it was the possibilities, not the obstacle that I focused on. It helped me finally kind of turn a corner and get somewhere and open that Bible. And um, I thank you all for, for the opportunity to let me come here and share my story this morning. God bless you.